Welcome to Content Inspire, a podcast focused on sharing good people doing great things within the sports nutrition and fitness industry. Welcome to Content Inspire. I'm your host, Andrew Calvino, and today I have two legends and badasses with me. I'll let you guys introduce yourself to the listeners. And I'm just glad and grateful that you guys are giving me your time because I know that when the listeners hear your story, they're going to go after it. Okay. Go Uh, first, Nick. All right. So my name is Nick Gloff and I am degreed in a double bachelor's in exercise science and kinesiology, minored in biology while I was in school, worked in a biomechanics lab for two years, working on EMG, ACEs uh, research on mostly just force velocity curve type stuff. So that's a little bit less relevant to what I do now as a coach for Team Camp Jansen, a bodybuilding coach primarily, as well as a a strength coach and performance coach in other realms, which is smaller thing, but that's getting started. Um, Also uh, PSL one certified, a handful of others coming. Uh, Other than that, not much for specific credentials to talk about other than the fact that I've been doing this for what, training for now 11 years, five of which being specifically dedicated more so towards bodybuilding and myself and the goals surrounding that, trying to get as big, as strong as possible. And more recently in, in time since about middle of college and then further on, as I started getting credentialed, beginning to take on mentorship and coaching clients in person and online and have since Became a part of Team Camp Jansen and uh, proud to be here with uh, my teammate here, Matt Berzikop, who will now introduce himself. <laughs> well, thank you, Nick, yep. for the segue. Yep. Uh, Nick and I are actually roommates also, so in case you didn't know that. Um, but no, I'm uh, Matt Berzikop, and man, I hate talking about myself. Um, I started, I mean, bodybuilding-wise, I started competing in 2004. So when I was 18, like right out of high school, um, I was a football player growing up, um, had pretty good success in that. I was supposed to play in college. And here's a story that I don't really share that often. Um, I suffered from anxiety so bad when I was younger that I couldn't leave my house uh, and actually go to college. And I started seeing like a therapist and got on medication. And I went from barely being able to play football to uh competing and getting on stage in your underwear, flexing your muscles, uh, just fine. So I started bodybuilding right after high school. So that was a big deal for me. And I was a pretty good teenager. I had a lot of success. I lost the teenage nationals by one point to a lot of people will know Steve Kuklo, who's gone on to have a really good pro career. And that's kind of been my MO since then. It's been a long journey. I'm still not a pro. I've come close several times. I've had, uh, unfortunately, a lot of really bad injuries. I'm known for uh, my pec tear, which is um, obviously, you know, usually the end of a bodybuilding career, but I didn't, uh, didn't quit. I'm still going. I've got second place at the USA Championships twice. I've got third at the Nationals once. I got third at the USA's the last time I did them. I lost the 2017 USA's by one point to Patrick Moore. Um, And then I just had some other unfortunate things happen to me. And I've had a lot of years where I didn't compete. I think in the last six or seven years, I mean, I've only done two shows. Um, 
just because of some unfortunate things. I ended up tearing both my biceps as well, a year apart, uh, 2018, 2019. So I took 2020 and luckily during COVID and stuff, I actually was the opposite. Well, everybody else had no gym to go to. That's when I actually started training again and being a bodybuilder again, I had access to a gym. So I utilized that time and, and grew uh, and kind of got my size back. And here we are in 2021 moved down to Florida to be part of Camp Jansen uh, with Matt. He asked me to, to coach underneath him, and um, I know we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, And then we all kind of migrated here to Florida. That's kind of our home base of Camp Jansen, Raw, Revive. Um, so we're all here. And uh, so hopefully this year is the big year. I've, I'm, uh, I'll be 12 weeks out tomorrow from the USA Championships again. That's kind of my Mr. Olympia for me personally. Uh, so hopefully this will be the year to finally get that done. And I will, will step in to say something that he will refuse to say for himself because he likes to, to dwell on the negatives and kind of push himself down a little bit. The only reason he is not a pro yet is because he has taken a principled stand on not trying to take the easy way and finding very small shows with small turnouts to try and catch a card by doing it, you know, the way that most people do it nowadays. Mm -hmm the original way that he knew that everybody that was a real pro that had respect in the industry that came up through the ranks and got their pro card by getting the first at full national competitions where the actual competition was legitimate, pulling everybody that was the best at their game at that time in the amateur ranks into one place. So he doesn't credit himself enough for that, but he has held himself from getting that pro card, not by his own merits, but because of the fact that he is principled on the fact that he will not take the easy way in getting that done. So I will say that because he definitely won't. No, I do masters. I'm 35 now. I could do the masters and I won't do that either. Yeah. So, <laughs> so his stubbornness stands for the reason yeah. he, he is not Matt Berzikot IFBB pro. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Nick. All right. Well, I know that we just met 12 weeks. I'll certainly for you. Simple as that. Hey, thank uh, you. No problem. So, First off, I'll ask uh, Nick this question and Matt, you can answer shortly after is what is your why? Why do you get up in the morning and handle all your clients, eat the meals, hit the macros and who you are as a person? What is your why? Good question. Very loaded question. And depending on the day, you might come up with a different uh, way to respond. Mm -hmm. So for where, for where everything started, my real why with everything was the fact that when I was young, I had, well, when I was 10 years old, I had a serious medical incident happen to me, which had as a result sidelined me from activity for quite a while. And in that time, after that time, I had gotten it into my head as a very young kid that doing any further activity from there was going to be harmful or I was scared of it. And so as a result of that, my mental health declined because I was a very active child. So my mental health declined, my habits changed, started not eating the way I should have, wasn't as active as I should have been, didn't participate in sports. And I started to pigeonhole myself in isolation into doing things that only made me feel comfortable. And I knew even at that age that doing that and continuing that for the foreseeable future was only going to lead me down a path of being completely unsuccessful in literally any endeavor that I decided to do. And that was a realization that I had at 11 years old. 
So took it upon myself to join into sports at that time at a more serious level and try to get myself in in doing the things for myself that I knew I needed to for me to be happy with where I was, what I was doing, have pride in the daily life that I lived, and then have something to look back on for the achievements that I've dedicated myself to achieve. So, and at that point, pushing myself into athletics, I knew that I had a large battle to fight for where I was and to build the gap, bridge the gap between where I was naturally as an athlete and to where I knew I could be if I put in the work that I had to. And that wasn't just doing the same necessities that everyone else that I had to work around and work with would have to do to get there. I had to put in extra work for myself for me to get to that point that I was competitive within my own group of peers, within my own sport, on my own teams, and then to be able to compete with the people that I'm standing up against in my sports, which I was a wrestler for 10 years and I played football for a handful. So with those being my primaries, I knew that I needed to be more athletic, more accurate, more responsive, and stronger. So knowing that, I took it upon myself to do everything I could, started training multiple times a day, which was not a good idea, and I will raise my hand to that fact. But it ingrained in me the fact that from a very early age, that if you're going to do anything, you need to put it in front of yourself to set your objectives and do the thing that you set out to do and do not take no for an answer. Unless, of course, you come to the point where there is nothing more that you can do. And so that started me off the path to getting to where I am now with some other unfortunate life events that had happened in my childhood after that time. It had put me into a position where I had to become an adult very quickly. And having to become an adult very quickly, I had to learn a lot of harsh realities about the world that I live in and the place that I live with the people that I lived with and the people I associated with around me. And having to go through that and have to deal with family issues and things that, you know, everybody comes up with at one point or another, having to deal with that and be an adult about it at a young age, I had to learn a lot of things. And one of those things that I had to learn is that nobody's coming to save you. Nobody is coming to save you. And my family was not very financially sound. So something that I had to learn when I was very young is that of the things that you need for survival is not just your faith in what you do, appreciation of the day that you live, but also the fact that you can produce and that you can consistently produce and do something that is of value to yourself and to others enough that you can support yourself and support the people that rely on you. So from that point, I decided that I was going to lean into the one thing that I cared most about, which was supporting my athleticism, my learning, bridging my knowledge base, and then trying to help other people in which if they would want my help, to bring them to a place where they were happier with their daily lives, what they were doing, their, their actual achievements, and what they could do with themselves, whether or not that was in the gym or out. And that's what I started to do. And the reason I did that was to support myself in what I did, to do something that I was passionate about in myself and spread that passion to other people, teach them how to appreciate themselves, to appreciate the work that they do, and to do it for the cause of becoming free of a system that works to keep everybody in line in a place that they cannot fully support themselves without the support of somebody above themselves. Having a top-down control over what it is that you can earn, 
how free you are and what you can actually do with your time. Being a very independent person and somebody that has my own independent goals and have since I can last remember having actual conscious memories, mm. I was not going to stand for being somebody that was just pulled into being a cog in the system. I needed to do something for me that I could be happy with living my daily life, that I was supporting other people, supporting myself, growing constantly, and doing something that I could support my own family with. And that in the future, when I do build my own, I would be able to support them as well without having any worry on anybody's heads for whether or not we would actually be able to make it and do things that made us happy to do so. And so part of being a coach and part of being in this profession is a passion for knowledge, a passion for bringing results to people, supporting people and supporting yourself. And really my why is all about those things. Doing something that I love, being impassioned to learn the most that I can about what I love so I can help more people, helping people to the best of my ability, and then using that to build a platform that I can make enough that I can live happily with the people that I care about and so that other people can benefit from the work that I have done to help others. And that is basically where my why sits. Well, Nick, thank you for sharing that with me and the listeners. And Matt, same exact question, because I want to know what's your why? How am I supposed to follow up after that one, Andrew? Dude, your why is unique. It's you. <laughs> Everyone has an incredible, amazing story, because I know um, Nick touched on it a little bit in regards to having the emotional intelligence to know that you have to make a switch in your life, right? Because you don't want to go down this bad road. And yeah. I just want to know what's your why. Um, I'm really big. I mean, my why is different now than what it was when I first got into this, obviously. And I'll talk, I guess I'll touch on both. When I first got into this, you know, when you're, you know, when you're 18, 19 years old and you don't even know yourself, although, I mean, Nick, Nick did, cause he was, <laughs> Nick's not a normal 23 year old, uh, by the way, that he's 23 years old. So to have this type of wisdom is not, uh, is not common, but the majority, like at 18, 19 years old, I mean, I just, at the time, dealing with anxiety and I was very thin. I was always very a very thin kid. So I started training with weights when I was 12. And then ultimately that, you know, not knowing it at the time, that's how I became secure within myself. And obviously, as you get older, you know, it was like my armor back in the day. And then, you know, as you get older, you realize your physical appearance isn't your entire worth. And, you know, now I'm just in so deep with bodybuilding, I'm just trying to accomplish a goal. But as far as my why now, I'm really big on, I think that everybody has a set of skills. Everybody's good at something. Everybody's an expert in something. And I think everybody needs to use whatever it is they're good at and use that to improve society uh, at least be some kind of positive influence on society in, in whatever way you can. And this is just mine. Um, I've just been, I've been training with weights my whole life. I've been, you know, changing my body my whole life. It's all, it's all I know. Um, and so with that, a lot of the best coaches are, I think are extreme empaths and we just care. We just genuinely give a shit about other people. So when people become our clients. I think that's the number one trait of a good coach is just genuinely giving a shit. 
you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you're not going to take the time that a person needs to, to really sit down and put yourself in their shoes and care about that person, you're not going to be a very good coach. So, you know, my biggest fear is always having a client um, not satisfied with my services. And so that's, that's, that's my why nowadays is that's, that's what I can provide for people. And that's my way to kind of, um, you know, help society in, in whatever way I can. That's what I'm good at. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me and the listeners. I, I know that when people hear that, it's going to impact them. So thank you. Yeah. And um, next question that I'm going to throw in there. Why did you guys decide to join Camp Jansen and offer coaching services through that brand business organization? Um, so I've been coaching since like 2009. So it's been a long time. Like in my area, I'm from Des Moines, like I told you before. And in Iowa back in, you know, 07, 08, 09, like there wasn't a lot of bodybuilders. Mm -hmm. What happened was is people, um, one guy just started asking, one guy asked me to help him get ready for a show. And so I helped him. I didn't think anything of it. And he actually paid me to do it. And I used to work in banking. I was, I worked for Wells Fargo back then, which anybody that's ever worked for them knows what, what that's like. Yeah. So um, eventually it got to the point where I just got a referral after a referral. And then in 2014, that's when I kind of went full time just with coaching. Um, and then uh, I kind of got away from it for a little bit and went back to, to banking. Um, and then COVID happened last year. I had some other circumstances where I had a, a, a gym and that had to be closed. And Matt actually called me. He knew what was going on. And he's, you know, he's basically like, man, why aren't you like, why aren't you just taking more online clients? And I felt like I had just lost so much traction because I'm not a big Instagrammer. I hate it. I hate using it. And in this day and age, you have to. Um, that's people look at that more than anything else. And so I just thought I was so far behind in that game that I just didn't even want to get started. And so I've known Matt, Matt and I have been friends since, um, well, we've known each other for a long time, but we started to become friends like in 2017, 2018. And the more we talked, the more we realized just how much on the same page we were as far as our philosophies on nutrition, training, bodybuilding in general. Um, and not only that, he's just someone that I just greatly, greatly respect as I've watched him come in. I mean, I was involved in this way before he was, and I watched him come in and I used to look at him and be like, you know, who is this little pipsqueak kid coming in thinking he's gonna like coach all these people and do all these things. And then I watched him do it and it shut me up real quick. And so, you know, I, I, it, he gained my respect uh, pretty quickly. Um, you know, and not only that, he's just, you know, he, he's, his, his family comes first. Um, we're in line with, with, with basically everything bodybuilding in life. So when he called me and asked me and told me that he was going to have a group of coaches under him. Um, I mean, it was an immediate yes for where I was at in my life at the time. It just kind of lined up, uh, perfectly. And, uh, here we are. Awesome. And Nick, why are you with uh, Camp Jansen? So I don't have the same kind of history with Jansen that uh, 
Matt does here. Um, so I haven't known Jansen for years, personally. Mm -hmm. Last year, at about this time, wait, what is it? It's about May. So it would have been two months before this, about two months, three months, was the first time that I really had like a real conversation with Matt. And at that point, I was putting up stories on my Instagram. And as I do, if anybody here does follow me already, you'll know when I put up stories, especially around my own training, I do a lot of instruction. I put in a lot of detail on exactly what's going on in almost every single clip of every video I do, because I try to use that platform as much as I can to educate and highlight the things that I want people to know so that they can gain as much value from following me as possible. I want to be able to get my own knowledge out there enough so that I can create a little bit more of a push forward across everybody, especially being the fact that um, in being in the unique position that I sit in, where I do embrace a lot of the same training methods that the more like quote unquote bro community use and think more so on like, just put in everything you've got. That's it. Just put in everything you got and you'll get somewhere. I sit, I started there, but I have a deep formal education as well as a deep extra education that I went into purposefully from the time that I decided I wanted to do this before I even left high school, that I was always, the only topic that I was always consistently researching every single day, and I'll use researching as a light term, considering I wasn't sitting with a lab coat doing the stuff that, you know, I was doing in college by the time that I got there and did my, my research in the biomechanics lab. So doing all of that time, getting furthering ed by myself, going out of my way to get my degrees in the thing that I thought most important to me. Going through all of that, I gained the knowledge that I wanted to push forward into the industry to help bring the collective level of understanding up along with me as I'm doing the same for myself. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in doing that, I post on my story, a lot of information. Somehow, some way, Matt Jansen found my page and saw some stories and he started replying to them. One specifically that really started our conversations was I was talking about gripping mechanics on pressing. And he asked me a question about whether or not having a full stacked grip on pressing is going to be actually advantageous to doing a false grip, which he had countered with the fact that he had done false grip and many uh, great athletes have done false grip on pressing for as long as he's known them. And he hasn't seen a significant problem with them and he doesn't really understand the reason how. And so we had a conversation and we went back and forth about it. And through that conversation, he started to see a little bit of an insight on the, the deeper value of what has to be said from where I was sitting. And the fact that there is a deeper understanding to things that do seem innocuous and small, and minute, that can have a big effect. And all it takes is somebody to be able to say that uh, those things to you in a way that is actually in context and understandable, while also being able to stand behind those statements and show you categorically, hey, this works, because I'm not only valued by the words that I can say, but the results that I can produce. And in doing so, saying that at the age that I was, being able to do what I could do, I have some more merit than just a, a nerd with the only, the heaviest thing that they've ever lifted is pink dumbbells and the pen in their clipboard. I could actually lift something that was remotely impressive. I'm not going to pat myself on the back that much because I have a long way to go. But 
I can actually show for the words that I can say and all of the quote unquote smart shit I can say, I have the results to back it up. And so somebody that's been in the industry for a long time that has a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience that has been working with high level athletes for a long time, looking for that edge of those little things that he might've grazed over, he decided it was a good idea to have conversations with me. Because after our initial conversation, he saw some value in what it is that I had to say. Then from there, we had some passing conversations. And then once the uh, coronavirus uh, shutdowns hit, he decided that he wanted to build a team. And he wanted to capitalize on the, the biggest opportunities that he could have with the coaching that he could get, with the people that he could pull into the team that would give the most longstanding value to his cause. And so he chose who he chose based off of the merits that he saw in us and what we could provide in the now and in the long term and how much he wanted to support us, which says something about his character as well, that he didn't just go and try to poach somebody that had some smart things to say or just a super already successful coach to pull onto the team to try and get as much money out of them as he could because he knows that they'll pull clients or even using some sort of an influencer that just has a butt ton of eyes on them, but don't really have all that much to offer. He chose the people that he chose, meaning me, Berzikot, uh, Justin Jacoby, and uh, Nadia Samanovich. We were chosen initially because of the fact that he saw value in what we could do. And all of us have a little bit of a different skill set and different things that we know how to do. And he wanted to put together a team that over time with his support, using the notoriety that he has, the name that he has, and his endorsement to support people that he thought had the merit to stand on their own at some point, that he wanted to help to do that. And so here we are, Team Cam Jansen. Nice. Thank you for sharing that with me and the listeners. And I'm going to drop another quick question your way. Have you ever had a coaching moment that made you realize that you were a damn good coach? Huh. <laughs> um, a singular moment. Yeah. I don't know if any singular moment decided that for me. Oh, oh. upgraded the meeting. I see. All right. <laughs> um, any singular moment, I wouldn't say. I think the biggest moments that came to me, though, were not from my online coaching time that I have done thus far. It, I mean, honestly, with uh, all of my clients that I've had come to me, the biggest thing that the biggest hurdle that I'm always jumping over with people for the majority of the time is movement. Misconceptions around movement, what they're actually capable of doing, what they are truly capable to, of doing and uncovering that and teaching them the fact that they're not broken. They're not a genetic anomaly where their structure just completely disallows them from doing X movement or movements usually. And that we are a whole lot stronger and more robust than we ever believe we are. And getting through those and having people that have come to me that have been significantly hurt in the past, having serious injuries or just overuse over years and decades of training that have decided and relegated themselves to very specific work because at some point or another, they decided that doing this thing X, whatever it is, is just not worth the risk to the reward that they get because they were getting hurt doing it or because they perceived a risk in doing it that really wasn't there. And having those people 
that at one point just cannot get their arm over their head to do an overhead press, or they just cannot for the life of them do a squat, or they can't do a hip hinge without their back just flaring up and then being like bedridden for days. Having those people of which I've had many come to me wanting to achieve physique goals, bodybuilding goals, separate from that alone, strength goals in just basic movement and trying to feel healthier, be happier with where they are and progress forward just as a human being living a normal life, getting messages back or getting calls back or voice notes back or videos from my clients to see and say that, hey dude, a couple, like a couple months ago, I couldn't have imagined that I could do this. And it's been so long since I was able to and do this without pain. And thank you so much for the attention that you've given and been and the patience that you've applied with me. And for the fact that I now can do all of these things that I personally loved doing for the longest time and then just could not do without your help. Those things have been the biggest, most rewarding pieces that always reinforce to me that I'm doing my job. The biggest moment for me though, up to this point has been uh, as I was leaving college actually, because through college, I had a couple of friends that lived with me. And those guys that lived with me, I basically mentored them for the entire time that they had lived with me. So I was coaching them. I was giving them their plans. I was sitting with them at their meals. I was in the gym at the same time that they were training almost every single day, doing everything that I could to support them as much as possible, of which really I wasn't getting compensated for other than the fact that I saw my friends developing. And those guys that I had helped through that time and that I had spent that time developing myself alongside of, seeing that all the things that I did built the foundation for them to go off and do their own, find their way through this on their own, build successful businesses in the industry, of which that has happened, and to have a basic foundation of knowing that they can take what they do so much further than they imagined they could before that they had worked with me. And those things, knowing the fact that I can arm the people that work with me to the degree that they are confident enough in their ability to do it on their own, to then go out and help other people to do what we did on their own and then move forward with an actual goal in mind to be able to create a larger impact with the people that I have helped, where those people I have helped will go and help other people. And those people that they have helped will help other people. And making the realization that somewhere in that, in that mix, I was the head of the tree that created the branches to the roots of where all of these people that would not have been touched by my life and my experiences and my, my knowledge and the things that I could impass to them, they have been positively impacted by the impact I've made on others. Oh, thank you. And Matt, have you ever had a moment where you were like, damn, I'm a fucking badass coach? <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so I, my clients are more competitors um, competing or people that um, have the goal of competing someday. My favorites are actually taking first time competitors. I, I like building competitors and staying with People tend to stay with me for a long time. Um, so the most rewarding is, is taking someone who comes to me and says they want to compete. And at first glance, you're just kind of like, 
it's, this is going to be a long process um, because most people quit will within, you know, three months will usually quit when they realize um, it takes a lot more than just hiring a coach, sticking to a program for three months and they expect they're going to look like an Olympia competitor. And um, unfortunately that's pretty common. So when you get someone that <clears throat> actually sticks with it, and it's a year long, two year long, three year long process. Um, and you go back and look at where they started. And, and usually it's, um, you know, they'll send you a message or something thanking you. And it's usually moments like that where you realize, damn, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. Um, or anytime someone wins a show, um, you know, when you have a client that wins a show um, and there's a lot that goes into, and I mean, sometimes there's people that anyone could coach and take through a, a final week preparation. I don't say peak week, I hate that word. Um, take through a final week's preparation, put them on stage and everything goes perfectly. There's some people that no matter what you do it will work, but then as a coach, it's the people that you have that you know what the challenges have been like throughout the entire prep. And it, it, was, it was hard to get them there. You had to do all these different things. And at the end of the day, they, they end up winning um, and you look back and you were like, damn, yeah, every decision I made, uh, worked because at the end of the day, even though we're coaches, people think that we have like this glass ball and we know exactly what to do every single time. And that's, that's not true. A lot of times we just go with our gut on a lot of stuff, um, based on things we've seen in the past and, and just, that's just having experience. Um, but you still always wonder like, is this the right call at that time? Um, so whenever stuff like that happens and you look back and everything lines up and the person wins and everything went perfect and you were happy with how they looked, um, you get a little bit of that feeling. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that on the reel. Yeah. And dropping another quick question your way. What fad diet just absolutely made you lose your shit? All of them. All of them. Yeah. The, the, they're, I don't even want to call it a diet. Like, there shouldn't like no fat diets really should exist. You've just got your three macronutrients that make up calories. And then from there, it's just finding a, you know, a, a proper ratio for that person and finding a, you know, energy balance and then just manipulating things from there. And I'm not a, if it fits your macros guy either. It's just, uh, well, that one might drive me the most nuts actually. Um, but as far as like, you know, and using, using foods that a person can tolerate, uh, that they digest well, um, and that's all a diet really is. There isn't, there isn't, um, it drives me nuts when I get people that are like, oh, my old coach said I have to eat this or I have to eat that or I can't eat that. And it's like, well, why? You know, and, and they don't have a reason for why. It's that type of shit that bothers me. Okay. Huh. And then... Um... What is your opinion on that, Nick? Uh, is there any diets that just absolutely just make you just go crazy? Uh, I'm pretty much on the same page with him on this, aside from the fact that th this is definitely going to ruffle feathers. Mm -hmm. I There's two. So one would be keto. Okay. Keto is quite irritating, even though it is helpful and actually has some medical uses. Yeah. And it can do a very good job at this very specific thing that it is good at, but then it gets misapplied and then it gets blanket statements 
where it's just the all around superior for athletic performance, which is just bar none, not the truth. And just scientifically like absolutely ludicrous to say. So there's that. And then also this one is gonna ruffle feathers much more than the keto one, vegan. <laughs> okay, not, not the people that try to do it off of their moral standing about like cruelty to animals or anything like that. That doesn't bother me, that's your choice. And any diet that you choose to do is entirely your choice. You could do whatever you want. I am libertarian in that sense. Do whatever you want, cool, it's not affecting me. But where I get the irritation over that diet is when it starts to become a question over like the health of a typical balanced approach to dieting where you do have animal products present, where it starts to become the same thing that we see with keto dieting, where it becomes, no, this is bar none, the superior, uh, superior approach for human performance, where vegans do the same thing and vegan advocates do the same thing, where they cherry pick data to say, no, this is definitely the way that this needs, this works for human beings while completely disregarding every single piece of information that goes against their narrative, which is just cherry picking and it's being dishonest and it's lying. So what we know from actual research done that are that is done with actual data, large populations, epidemiological data to use and say, when you control for other grouped unhealthy behaviors like smoking, high use of sugary beverages, things of the like, high amounts of sedentary behavior, very low activity, bad sleep patterns, those things that are all grouped activities that are all, almost always clustered together in the same populations that have high incidence of using animal products, to which they don't really, in those studies that they like to cite where they're like pro-vegan like completely, they don't to make a delineation between you're eating a, a cheese-filled Johnsonville brat or you're eating 93-7 ground beef. They don't make that distinction. So how, how honest is that? And then to add on top of that, they don't actually account for the fact that the high incidence of animal product use is also grouped with a bunch of other behaviors that then also contribute to the bad health of those individuals. So if you look at it as just, this is what it is and high animal product use leads to bad health and bad total health outcomes, high morbidity and high mortality related to people that are just plant-based, it's just being dishonest because you don't control for all of those other factors. And when you do, you find unequivocally with not really seeing it go in one way or the other to say, if you don't have all of these other things that contribute to morbidity, then having a balanced diet with plants and animal products has absolutely no bearing on whether or not you have negative health effects from your nutrition. So from where I stand, that might be the most irritating one because there's also the sect of vegan bodybuilding that likes to like poke fun or try to say that they're superior to everybody else that has their chicken and rice and their chicken and be uh, their beef and rice for their meals and tries to say that we could do it better than you. We could do that too. Like name me one actual vegan bodybuilder that started from being a, just like the rest of us at 
120 pounds, 150 pounds, whatever, whatever your frame size was when you were a kid, and then makes it up to being a 270 pound bodybuilder. Name me one. Guess what? You can't. So that one very specifically irks me, as you can well tell. Thank you. Yeah. And now, um, dropping another quick question your way is what are your favorite Revive MD and raw nutrition products? I can go first with that too. Um, for Revive, my favorites that I use for myself and I get all of my clients to do as much as I possibly can, especially when they're enhanced, which is where Revive really shines the most. With, huh? What the liver and kidney support? Well, lipid, mm -hmm. blood pressure, K2D3. Okay. Those are the three most basic foundations that in most people that are especially on the enhanced side or natural side when you're trying to push up body comp or when you're in like deep dieting and you have a lot of stress in the system all the time, blood pressure is, can be an issue. Regardless of how ca uh, cardiovascularly fit you are, that can still be a problem. Having something in place to protect your kidney health is going to be important. So the blood pressure is really good. And we have seen over and over again from the use of that product that we have significant drops. So that is there. Lipid is a, it's a complete product for what we need for keeping lipid panels in check while doing the same things and having the same considerations that I just laid out. Then the K2D3 is going to be a basic supplement that is really good to have in for one. D3, we all need that because the majority of everybody is uh, vitamin D deficient. K2 helps with actually utilizing vitamin D properly. And K2 is helpful for heart health, of which we need to have in check for long-term bodybuilding. So those are my three that are the most basic that are far none like I always recommend. Then for raw, the protein, 100%, the whey is great. So every single one of the whey flavors that I've had, the ISO that raw has made, is the flavors are fantastic. And really, as far as ISOs go, I mean, if the flavor is good and it doesn't have a whole lot of extra other stuff in it, it's not loaded with sugar, it's not loaded with extra fats, and it just, it's good, like, that's it. Like, there's really no other considerations to make. So there it is. It's well-sourced. We know it's quality. We, we have it in the building that we train at. We, we know where it's coming from. We know the sourcing. It's good stuff. I'll always love that stuff. So there's that. And then after that, I would go with the EAA because the EAAs are especially very helpful for dieting. So they're good in there as a safeguard. Love their products. And for as far as EAAs go, for the majority, if they're well-dosed EAAs, they taste like absolute garbage. From almost every single company that you get them from, no matter how they try to flavor it. And they do a pretty good job of making, uh, making these EAAs tolerable by taste, which is a extremely tall task for how well it's dosed. So credit to them on that. And then the pump and pump squared for their pre, I rate that as well. The pump and pump squared together, if you do a double scoop, especially of the pump with the pump squared, it's actually ridiculous. And I, I don't, I'm not somebody that actually does 
like a whole lot of like, I don't dive super crazy deep into performance supplements, uh, supplements for the most part, if things are dosed well, it's by a reputable company and they don't have any track record of like fairy dusting stuff and lying to you on the labels, you're going to get something, but it's not going to be something that blows your mind. That's just the way the performance supplements are. And if it's not loaded with stimulants or especially like a pre-workout, then you're not really going to notice a ton. If you have a stimulant, you're obviously like, you're going to feel it. But with pump type stuff, it's kind of like, you can kind of feel like it's a placebo. Like I kind of took it and it feels kind of better. Maybe, maybe I just had more water today. Like, you know, these things and you you just don't know. If you take the full dose of the pump and the pump squared, you know, which is not something that I've really experienced with any other pure pump product that I've had on the market of which I've had many. So those would be my three on both. Okay. Awesome. And, um, Nick, if I remember correctly on your IG, you have a code for, um, raw and revive, correct? Yep. Yep. Just my last name. I'll make sure to put that in the bio. Awesome. Thank you. No problem. And then, um, Matt, your favorite products from revive and raw. Uh, so revive the, the three he said, but I'm going to add two more that, um, especially like he said, it's, it's made for this. It's made for bodybuilders. Uh, because as we know, I mean, I've reviewed hundreds of people's blood work over the last 12 years and we know, I mean, I, I almost know what's going to, I know exactly what's going to look like before I even get it. Very rarely am I really shocked. Um, lipids are always messed up, meaning LDL cholesterol is high, HDL is always low. So that's where the lipid product comes in. Um, I'm obsessed with people checking blood pressure because that is the single most important health marker that we as bodybuilders need to um, uh, monitor and it is also the easiest, but it's also the easiest, not anything that's easy to do is also easy not to do. So, um, neglecting that is, is a huge, huge mistake because that's where, you know, when we're seeing people with all of these kidney issues now, that's where it's coming from. People have this misconception that it's from diuretics or it's from whatever. It's not from that. It's from, it's from having undetected or, um, untreated high blood pressure over a number of years. That's why people's kidneys are failing. Um, and then also, obviously, we're seeing kidney and we're seeing heart problems, right? Mm -hmm. We need to do everything we can to mitigate those things. Number one is keeping blood pressure in check. Second would be keeping cholesterol in check. So there's the blood pressure product. That's the lipid product. Um, they made a new product called Heart that I really like. Um, it has... If, if you were to put something together, buying things separately um, for heart health, um, it has everything in it that you need right there. Um, and then the other one that he, I know that he uh, would, would agree with me is just omegas. Um, but he just didn't put that in there because you just pick three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, I don't even, we don't even need to get to the benefits of that because it helps everything. Um, so those are my favorite Revive products. Um, as far as raw whey isolate, because I'm not a big eater. And just like Nick said, with whey isolate, what you're really, when people are like, oh, do you have a certain protein I should look for? They don't really know what to look for. Yeah. You want whey isolate 
and you want something that's all whey isolate. Like a lot of companies will say it's whey isolate, but if you look on the ingredients, it's mostly whey concentrate and then like maybe 10% whey isolate. Mm -hmm. And like he said, the, the most you can ask for with whey isolate is something that digests well and something that tastes good because it's really hard to make whey isolate taste good. And um, the peanut butter flavor of that is particularly my favorite. Chocolate is basically tastes like um, brownie batter. So that's my number one favorite and thing that I use the most, uh, usually twice a day. And then uh, my second favorite would be the pump products. Like you said, it works every single time. It feels like um, people that have been like, that have done a rebound after a contest prep and like the pump that you get, if people are familiar with that, you kind of, you basically feel like that every time you take it. And it also makes you feel, um, I'm not a big stimulant person. So it does give you some, some kind of mental clarity, but it doesn't make you, um, there, there aren't stimulants in it. They put lion's mane in it. And uh, what else? There was one other thing. I don't even remember. Okay. Um, but it gives you mental clarity. So you're more focused. You're just more alert, but you're not like geeked out and like shaking all over the place. Um, and then the third would be the intra, the intra product, which I don't, I don't use the intra product intra workout. I like to drink it before. Um, I just like to drink water during, you can use it during if you want to. Um, but that's just has, uh, it's all cyclic dextrin, um, which again, kind of similar to way isolate, a lot of products will say it's cyclic dextrin, but it's not all cyclic dextrin. It's an, it's a mix of cyclic dextrin and other other carbohydrates that are not necessarily high molecular weight carbohydrates that you don't really want to drink during training. You want something that's going to um, get into the bloodstream and bypass the stomach as much as possible. So it's all cyclic dextrin. Um, there's other things in there, uh, electrolytes and minerals um, to help out. So those, those would be my three main for raw. Awesome. And I'll certainly make sure to plug your code, your code. Yeah. Down. Don't put, don't put Nick's in, just put mine. Okay. All right. Um, dropping another quick question your way is what advice would you give to someone who is afraid of going after what they want? I'll go first. Go, yeah. I'll go first. Okay. No one's coming to save you is what I would say. No one is coming to save you. If you have, and to bridge off of what he said earlier with his own why, mm -hmm everybody has a something that they do that they're good at. What it is that you're good at is your gift to your own life, the people around you and the world. If you have a thing that you are good at, you need to lean into it. Don't apply yourself into doing other things that you're not good at, that you don't enjoy, that don't give you any sort of peace, that don't really support you even in the way that it's supposed to you know, financially being really the only metric that that would be used for. It's not doing any good. If you're not going to go after the thing that you have the most proclivity to be good at, it's your own fault that you're miserable doing anything else instead. And if there is something that you're that good at, you have the aptitude, you have the drive to be good at, and further that as you go on and you don't just get your foot in the door and then you stop trying to be better, if you have that work ethic and you have the drive and you have the desire and you have something that you know that you can do, if you don't do it, it's your own fault. If you're unhappy doing anything else as a replacement, it's your own fault. It is on you. 
you need to take it upon yourself to decide no one is coming to save you. You are the only one that can save you. The only one that will bring you happiness is you. If you're sitting at your nine to five every day and you hate it, but you have a thing that you're passionate about that is always consuming your mind that you know that you would be good at because you're passionate about and you're willing to put in the groundwork for you to be good at it, if you're not doing that, what are you doing? That would be what I'd say directly to them. So I would say one thing that I tell a lot of younger guys that I help that are in their 20s, um, you don't have as much time as you think. And I've said that to Nick several times. And because I remember being his age like it was yesterday. And here I am 35 and I'm nowhere near where I thought I would be when I was 35 because I'm someone that let outside distractions and life events and mostly women um, sidetrack me and affect my life. And, you know, you just, I'm just now getting to the point where, you know, this is the first contest prep that I've done without a girlfriend in my life. And it's been, it's been fucking amazing by the way. So, um, not to get on a, <laughs> not on a uh, bashing women train here, but yeah. if you have a woman that's supportive, that's another thing. But you know, when you have ones that are toxic and want you to stop whatever it is you're doing and manipulate and stuff like that, it just, you got to cut all that shit out and just have people around you that support you, not yes people, but people that will shoot you straight and um, support what you're doing. And you know, I mean, you don't need to ask, you don't need to ask a million different people for their opinion on what you need to be doing with your own life. You know, if you have a burning desire to do something, do it. Um, because when you're 18, 19, 20, and you think you have all this time, man, I'm telling you, you don't, you'll be 30 before you know it. And you're gonna look back. I mean, I look back and you know, I don't dwell on it, but damn, man, I I wasted so much time in my 20s. Um, you know, I basically just floated through them thinking that things are gonna come to me and things don't just come to you. Everyone I know, I I have a lot of friends that are very successful and they all have one common trait in like um, they all just they just go and they do stuff. <laughs> they just they go and they do it and they don't let things distract them, they don't let things bother them. When something, when stuff happens to them, they're not, you know, laying around in their bed all day for a week straight. They just keep moving. And, you know, just, you just have to take action and do stuff and go get what you want. So that would be my advice. Perfect. Thank you. Listeners, Nick and Matt literally just gave you some gold. So if you're a 20 year old kid listening to this, get off your ass and go make it happen. Cause I literally just turned 30 yesterday. So everything that Matt was saying, I was like, yo, it's fucking true. Well, happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thanks dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Single the mile. That's always a fun time, but yeah. <laughs> um, now to the fun questions. All right, guys. So what is your favorite music to listen to while working out? <laughs> uh, I have a variety, man. Like I would, uh, it can, it can range anywhere from like old, like hip hop. So like I grew up obviously on like Tupac and Biggie and Wu-Tang and okay. kind of stuff to um, older rock that I know that like Nick is a real, like 
heavy metal fan, he would call the rock I listened to like pussy music, but like like Breaking Benjamin and like Three Days Grace. It, uh, it, here's what I, I call it dad metal. Oh, da- it's, it's dad, metal. <laughs> dad metal. Creed. I'm a big Creed fan. Okay, sick. Uh, sometimes I'll listen and sometimes, man, I'll listen to like Beyonce or Celine Dion or music like that sometimes just gets me like very calm music sometimes in a weird way gets me more amped up than you know upbeat loud stuff okay all right so for me um i didn't fall into the the typical categories of what uh, the topical music of the time was mm-hmm. i've never been um, I actually, I grew up with a very specific disdain for mainstream music because I thought it was completely vapid and had absolutely no value, to which I stand by that still today. And it's only getting worse. So I will stand by that and people can fight me. But um, from a very young age, I started listening to like, well, actually some of the stuff that he just listed off as like Creed and Three Days Grace and Breaking Benjamin and Bullet for My Valentine and stuff like that. That was what I started listening to when I was like nine. And then it just got heavier and heavier and heavier from there to which now I listen to, uh, I don't know, there might be some people in the, in the audience that might have some sort of an idea what the genres are, but very less likely to know the bands of what would be considered deathcore and all of their following branches of genres, which would include Bands of the name of Fit for an Autopsy, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Humanity's Last Breath, yep. uh, Shrine of Malice, mm-hmm. like. So those are the kinds of like normal music that I'm listening to. That that is the most common for me, uh, especially while training. But that's usually on a good day. So on a good day where I'm pretty happy and upbeat, I'm like, all right, we're doing all right. We're good. We're good. Just bopping along, doing the thing. That's, that's when all of the, the death and destruction is in my ears. Okay. But when I'm in like a real high stress situation and it's a very big lift, when I'm unracking 800 pounds to squat, that's not what's playing in my ears. It's not. So what's playing in my ears when I'm doing things like that is usually deeply emotional stuff that directly taps into specific triggers that I have from my own experiences in my life of which there are a lot there are a ton of songs that I've come across and more so songs than artists Mm -hmm. that way that they just they have a very specific theme to them to which it's about a, a lot of loss a lot of very dark situations very difficult times and those things in, in which they're very specific to my own experiences those ones are what I'm listening to when I'm in a, a very big lift and I'm trying to do something specifically difficult that I don't know if I have the capability of doing, but I'm going to do anyway. So depending on the situation and what kind of day it is and what I'm, I'm doing in the moment, where my head is at, determine what music I use because the music to me is a tool. And then, then there's also the, there's some, some rap and, and some other things in there that are, that are also like pretty niche in specific but that's the, uh, the basic gist is I use it as a tool and for what I need it for is what I use it to do. Okay. 
And then um, in regards to heavy lifts, I remember a quote from Kai Green that stated that you don't lift heavy from a happy place. Do you guys yeah. agree with that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Totally. That, but I will say relative heavy. So lifting something heavy that you've done a thousand times, you're like, all right, that's cool. Like what, what, is, what is heavy? Like you don't really, there's no concept of what heavy is really. Mm -hmm. Heavy in just absolute terms, like for me personally, because people kind of, if anybody knows me, they know me for my squatting as a lift would go. I put 600 pounds on my back and do that. And that's, I could do that with anything playing. I could be having elevator music going for me to do that. That's not a problem. But for me to go and do something that's relatively heavy for me that I know is going to be difficult, that is going to test what my actual true limits are, that could very well, if something goes wrong, just crumple me and end my life or my career. That's different. That is very different. That's heavy. And for that, no, you do not come from a happy place to do that. You come from a place that you have to tap into the, the dark, the, in the big white room of your own consciousness, the never ending wallless white room. You have to go to the one cobwebbed dark corner, walk into the fire, knowing that there's a possibility you don't find your way back out. And that is where you go to find the motivation to do something that, it, that has the high possibility of ending your life or your career to do it in that moment. That's where you go for that. You, just like Kai Green says, you don't put that on your back and be a nice guy. You got to have some mean in you. Nice. And last and final question. What do you watch on Netflix, Disney Plus, or anything of the sort when you're on your downtime? Take that. I watch way more TV than you. Uh, recently, I've, I've, I just watched Snowfall on Hulu. Okay, sick. For, yeah, all four seasons in like this past like couple months. Mm -hmm. um, Ozark is one of my favorites on Netflix. Uh, I really enjoyed All American. Uh, I, I'm a big sports guy. So like um, Last Chance You is one of my favorite shows uh, of all time on Netflix. I'm big on, 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 on that kind of stuff because for, it's just, it's very intriguing. I'm a, I'm a big fan of underdogs. So like people, like a lot of those guys, they go to those community colleges for whatever reasons. And that's their only way out. Football's their only way out of where they're from. And it's just intriguing to me because I didn't grow up that way at all. And so any, any of those, anybody that's has a talent that's using that talent to get out of a situation and get to a better situation. And most of the time they're doing it for their families as well and trying to get them out of where they're trying to go. And um, I love stories like that. Um, any documentaries uh, I like as well too. Um, that's all that comes to my mind right now. Okay, perfect, cool. Those are all amazing badass shows on the real. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. And for myself, mm -hmm. um, I, like you said, I don't watch as much TV, so mm -hmm. I don't have as many to choose from, but of series that I have watched in the more recent past, I've watched through Dexter, which I loved. That was great. 
fantastic. I actually did my, my last prep uh, this last fall. I watched through Dexter while doing cardio and it, it made cardio so much easier. Just because of the fact that it was like really high stress all the time. Like every episode was like, you, even if you're just sitting there, you're just like, oh my God, I don't even know what's gonna happen. This is terrible, like the whole time. So like that, that was good. I really enjoyed that. And another one that I watched recently uh, all the way through was a show called Dark. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And that, that show is really good and it has a ton of twists and turns and a lot, it makes you think a lot and it gives you like little drops of hints in things into what's really going on that you don't, you, like you try to piece it together like every single episode and like you get to the end of it and you're like, I have no idea what's going on, where this is going, but I have like this tiny little like breadcrumb trail of how to figure it out. And it just becomes one of those things that like you just have to have to keep watching because there's just so much mystery to it. And the whole premise is insane. And, it, and it's actually like a really interesting one. So like, if you haven't seen that one, I would definitely go and watch that because it's pretty cool. Um, so now on the documentaries thing, uh, I tend to not watch any Netflix documentaries or Hulu documentaries. Uh, some very specific reasons, most of the time because they're completely inaccurate, like almost all of the time, especially when it's on anything topical. So especially Netflix, I would not get anything, anything on like recent history or anything like that from, from Netflix. Uh, fun fact, which I'll probably get blamed or called crazy for saying, uh, but the, uh, the guy that actually owns Netflix, his uncle is the guy that helped to write the book on propaganda in the 1920s. He literally helped with the U.S., to build the propaganda campaign to push us into war. He, he, that was him. And then you know who his uncle was? Sigmund Freud. So Netflix, the media conglomerate that is now putting out the majority of all viewed content is ran by a family that historically has produced modern propaganda and has known for a very long time how to manipulate people into thinking exactly what they want. So, and then we can look at specifically in our field of nutrition and training and all that, and look at any documentary that has ever been put out on Netflix. And if you have any sort of deeper knowledge than just the layman, you can point out in almost a second by second basis, this is inaccurate, this is wrong, this is misrepresented, this is definitely for a specific reason why that was said that way. And just know that it's all completely mischaracterized for the purpose of saying something that is completely untrue for whoever knows why other than the fact that they can make money on sensationalism. So that is my stand on that, but I'll digress. I have one more, I have one more show I'll share that I just thought of. Mm -hmm. It's a gym that nobody knows about it, but every person I've told to watch it loves it. It's called Banshee, B-A-N-S-H-E-E. Mm -hmm. Show that was on Cinemax, it's on Amazon now. There's four or five seasons, but it's, the best show I've ever watched. So everybody in the, I make everybody that's like close to me, watch it. Nick, you need to watch it. And uh, they've all loved it. Okay. I'll certainly watch that show. I've heard great. Better. Things, but if you're, oh, you've heard of it. Yeah. I've heard of it. Okay. Most people haven't heard of it. Yeah. So you're saying it's the best show ever. I'll certainly. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. 
And um, guys, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being on Content Inspire, sharing your story, your experience to the listeners. Um, I'm going to tag everything in the bio down below, um, personal IGs, coaching application links, um, codes for ReviveMD and RAW. And I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us, Andrew, anytime. And happy birthday. Yeah. Thanks. And listeners, till next time.